Welcome to the Calgary Sessions. This is episode number 28. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Humphreys. Today's guest, this is going to be a show. <laughs> I don't have to do any sound editing. I just got him here. Um, this, uh, this individual, we go way back. Um, he is, uh, I think he has, I know he has a very interesting background. His, um, him and I have, well, we've known each other for a long time, man. Yeah, crisscross. And this is um, this is this would be a cool one. I spun up the show. You you he was on my list of one of the DJs I wanted to get on, get here. Get Number twenty eight. What am I doing? Episode twenty eight. Twenty eight. I should be like point zero five. You, you're below thirty, so you're winning. <laughs> uh, introduce yourself, name, and uh, we know what you do. I'm Sasha Sid, um, DJ, father, raconteur, um, wonderful human being. I'll give I'll give you that one. Only one of those statements are right at any one time. Well, yeah. Me. <laughs> and on. sometimes all of them it's are like, wrong. It's like, well, all of them are wrong. It's, it's what day, what time of night. Yeah, what time what, of night. There's lots of variables. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is this is this is going to be a cool one. Obviously, with my DJ background, Sid's name in town was uh, it's dude. You've just been such a name in the DJ world in the city for so long. Um, obviously, when I started DJing a long time ago, I knew who you are. Where you've played and your musical you collection. Know fat brown and low to the ground. Well, well you for you know, it, it's interesting you say that. That there's people that listen to me on the radio went like, I thought you were ginger and white and weighed three hundred pounds. <laughs> 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 Don't you love that? No, that's an honest. Well, okay. So did you did you start your did you start your DJing career on the radio? Um, no. I mean, uh, or people just have heard you that long and they've never yeah, actually seen I mean, your gigs. Yeah, I mean, that was just a musicarium. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like people in Calgary, that's how what they thought, and mm -hmm. that's one of the nicer things. Yes. Someone called me Australian. Lots of people think I'm Australian, which is kind of weird because you know I spent thirty years in England from South London, <laughs> and that's the worst thing you could ever call an Englishman. It is right. You call people from South London Australian. You'll That's get knife. <laughs> Not only knife, but you probably get dragged out to the Thames, have your like head, hands, feet removed. And you know, it's like one of the worst things. Can we call someone a sheep shagger and a convict? And and what what is it? Like just, uh, well I think they just I've don't know. I I'm from like uh, South London. Okay. Like my you know, my parents maybe you know, to give an idea about me and you know, I think you this uh Dude, it's, it's all about me. It's it. Hey, that's hey it. people, it's all about me. There's only one guy in the room it's right now. It's not about Jeff. As handsome as Jeff is, it's not about me. It's about the... But, but, um, but, but to, to your point, I, I, I want you to go back. I want you to go back to a time like just like growing up overseas and like and when this, how this all started to happen and then take me from there to how you got here well, and like all of you it. You know, like I'd have, to, I'd have to go back like, you know, I'm... East Indian, or like uh, what they call Anglo-Indian, mm -hmm. or maybe not even Anglo. That's my parents. Right? I'm English born there, but I'd have to go back to my parents who were like uh, even my parents had an odd had an odd upbringing. Like my my grandfather was Portuguese. My mum is my grandmother was uh, German, mm -hmm. and my mum is Thai and Indian. So I'm only East Indian from her side, yep. but they were brought up in Calcutta, which Calcutta was a big Mm -hmm. Like uh, city of commerce, and like you know, mm -hmm. um, like my grandfather was a, which I understand now because I've inherited a lot of his uh, attributes, a ducker and diver. You know, he was like, you know, mm -hmm. if he wanted like a big coil of uh, tensile steel, he could get it for you. Mm. 
So, you know, and I didn't realize about my, I mean, I think I vaguely met my grand, grandma, but I didn't realize how predominant the German heritage was till I had some of my kids. So, like, you know, I have five kids, mm-hmm. you know, fertile Myrtle. I can't even get out now. My <laughs> testosterone is so low. I have to get weird. I was hoping that like, with all the candles, we'd get someone in to, to like give me some sex Warm me time. Up. But uh, look, so my middle child is like blonde haired and blue eyed. No way. And my 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 uh, fifth child is like green eyed. <laughs> like, look at me. There's like. I know. You wouldn't know. I used to have blonde hair. No, these, these were contacts. I just shake it out. <laughs> it's the latest disco record, but no. So. Yeah, so so when so they were brought up in Calcutta because Calcutta was that place you mm-hmm. know, that people went to, and you know obviously the uh, India you know became whatever it was. Yep. It, it you know it it got split to India and Pakistan in forty seven. My grandfather lost his uh, you know his ability to uh, duck and dive, mm-hmm. and so uh, my father like many years later decided to move to England. To Kentish Town, then he moved to uh, South London, where I was brought up. And what's South- the difference? South well, well, London's London, but Kentish Town, you know, I mean, yeah, London's like it's, it's a it, it doesn't matter. I don't know why they end up in Kentish Town because a lot of immigrants, like Jamaicans, for instance, end up in Brixton. I don't know why my parents end up in Kentish Town, which is weird because as a young kid, I grew when I got of a certain age, and you, you hear from a lot of people want to move to London, they want to move. To North London. Okay. Well, actually, it's East London now, but then, like, North London is still a very, like, uh, fertile area to be, like, because you've got Camden, mm-hmm. you've got, there's a lot of immigrants, there's a lot of stuff going on. Like, yep. if you know, like, the latest grime scene and stuff like that, North London is a pretty big area. Mm-hmm. But then they move from Kentish Town to Southfields. Yep. Uh, if anyone knows about the London Underground, the tube, Southfields is down by, it's the end of the district line, but we're near Wimbledon. Okay. Where they play women in tennis, mm-hmm. so I was brought up there in, in uh, Southfields, and you know it was it was an okay childhood, you know. But and how long were you there? Like from well, I was there till you know I moved out with my uh, my first wife, my only wife. I don't. Know. <laughs> I sound like Henry the Eighth. I sound track? like you. Who's yeah, keep- the first of my eight wives. <laughs> she was a concubine. <laughs> Yeah, I had my five children. <laughs> the rest of them couldn't couldn't produce me a, a science of my DJ heritage. Uh, she, oh god! So, uh, uh, but you know, like seventies in South in there, yeah, especially so, was amazing. Like, what? you know, like women tennis there. It's not like now where it's very bourgeois. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the hill. Mm-hmm. Back when we were kids, we could go in and out. People go like, I want a ticket. I saw Stan Smith. Ilina Stasi, Yvonne Goolagong. Why don't tennis players have names like that now? Yvonne Goolagong. That's a, that's a name. I, I want that name. <laughs> Who? How do you? Sid Goolagong. <laughs> it just sounds like wow. It's, it's serious. I want to see that person. So you're that close to? Yeah, we were like literally walk away. But you know, also like I was a bike ride from. You know, it's weird growing up. And you know, like obviously London, England is soccer crazy. Mm-hmm. Or football crazy mm-hmm. uh, nation. Yeah, I had Wimbledon Football Club, Fulham, Chelsea. They were all like a bike ride away. So at any given time, I would bike ride to see any one of those teams. And and was it um, was sport a thing? You know, in your family or? Was oh it, no, not in my family. Like it was right? just you. You know, in, <laughs> well, my brother played football, but it's it's funny. My father never 
you know, I grew up in a very, uh, you know, I don't know if people can relate to this in Calgary, but or or maybe people can relate if they grew up in the 70s in Calgary. Like, it was a very, uh, you know, it's wrong to say it was abusive in the sense of, you know, like, you know, like we think of abuse now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, hey, can, do you want to talk to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was more like, because your parents always wanted you to do better or they were more frustrated with you, so they'd beat you. Yeah. <laughs> and do you, do you think that was well part of it was because um, they had a lot of they had a lot of pressure and there was, yeah, it, was just, think, it was just an out. Same, I think I think it still happens here. Yeah, like there's a lot of immigrants. Like you know, my my dad wanted us because I mean he, I mean this is why you know I have to be uh, more like Cole's notes with this because yeah, if, if I trace my father, I mean I didn't find this out till later, but my child, my 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 father's childhood and his brothers was a, extremely abusive yeah because they because they went from all this money with servants beautiful house they went to a boarding school because my grandfather couldn't handle them mm. so they had the, an yeah. incredibly abusive childhood mm. under like what we're finding now yeah. with yeah. the uh aboriginals with yeah. the the catholic mm-hmm. religion like yeah. you know m- my father was this but my my grandfather my other my uncle was abused like i didn't find out till like Five years ago, he was gay. It was one of the reasons why. I mean, my 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 father was extremely intelligent. He had an IQ of like one eighty-five or something like that. Wild. Which is where the, yeah, I think, which is why I think the abuse comes in because he wanted us to be like him. Mm. I didn't quite understand that we were a bunch of duck. Yeah. <laughs> you know, IQ. You don't inherit IQ. No. Kind of skips a generation. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but but my my uncle was like um, more intelligent than my. My father, no way. but he was raped by the priests and all mm-hmm. that, and he was gay, and he was scared to come to England because not only was he, he was scared to come out. Well, now you don't come out. Back in the fifties, you didn't come out. You, you know, mm-hmm. imagine what it was like being gay. And I found out later that he was gay. And one of the fears he would have succeeded in England. But one of the fears of coming to England was he was gay. Mm-hmm. So imagine what they grew up with yeah so my father wanted us to avoid that he wanted us to be bigger and better mm-hmm. so i had siblings like my brother and sister but like i had older brother younger sister and you know we were physically abused you know yeah. like my father tried you know i was i knew mathematics and english yeah. before the age of five mm-hmm. but because i'm a middle child i know do you have brothers and yeah sisters? i have a younger brother younger sister middle? i'm the oldest oh see so you, you should talk to the, uh, <laughs> the middle, the middle child. i was you know, a typical middle child, mm. rebellious. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, rebelled again. I did everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you try and teach me stuff. You know, one guy was just like, no, no, and you get beaten, beaten. But you know, in the seventies, everyone got beaten. No people coming in with welts in their bag. You know, doing gym, black eyes. You know, like mm. where's Ralph? Oh, he's gone nowadays. <laughs> He'd appear on the back of a milk carton. <laughs> you know, he's gone. He's been abducted. No, no. You know, you just accept it. Oh, he's gone. Gone. Yeah, but yeah, seventies was a weird mm-hmm. especially in England. Yep. You know, it's post-war. Man, people died. So and people go like, oh, I'm so so dying of war. So what if you lost a child? So what if he's disappeared? It. I ca- I cannot imagine when, when did the music thing. Like when when did like you know growing up you're, you're you're checking out Wilmington which is a crazy thing by itself for what it is today, you know that's a totally different experience back then obviously, but when does like 
What's got your attention when you're growing up? Well, it's weird. Like, I think my first musical memory, or I remember my parents buying a, uh, they bought a, oh, shit, what was it called? Gerard. Jesus Christ, that's just come to me, Jeff. What's the make G- of the record player, you know, <laughs> you know, like Piney. Gerard, yeah. a Gerard record deck, which was like the uh, go-to. It's like the, how it? us, us as DJs go, like 1200. Mm, yeah. Gerard was the deck that everyone got, and you had like 33, 45, 78. And I remember my my first musical memory was uh, my parents had a, one of my grandfather's 45s, uh, 78s. Because back then they had, you could push it from 33. And back then when they said they had a diamond stylus, mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this. No, I like definitely now, won't know this. Now it's disposable. Like yep. Stylus is now like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, was it Autophon? Mm-hmm. Jesus, they go, it's the best. After like five plays, it's mm-hmm. going, it's it's over. sound deteriorated. <laughs> like that house record sounds like, <laughs> Is this like a drone record? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I remember my, my father, I remember they had a Bing Crosby record. And actually, it, it, they played, I remember the first record they played was a 78 by my grandfather. And really, it has the cold notes of what we should be. He went, oh, shit, how'd it go? He went, accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, latch on to the affirmative, don't mess around, Mr. In Between. That should be like. That's it. Hey, here we go. Self help books gone. <laughs> One page, four lines, done. And a record. To we go. should print that. Let's just quit this podcast. That's. And that was my first musical memory. I remember them playing that. And I go, wow. You know, because it was so melodic. I think I was three or four. And I think my next memory was. Because um, I remember asking my, my mum actually tells me this like. Were they into music? Did they, did, uh, they yeah, a, they had, I mean, after that, I mean, they had that one record. I remember they played it because it was the one record I think my, my dad dragged from India. Mm. It was like very, I remember mm. when I, well, God, being a little child, I broke it. <laughs> I got such a beat. Oh, God. <laughs> that, you know, in this day and age, mm-hmm. he'd be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I got such a beat. Uh, but then they went to Sergio Mendes, like uh, Astrid Gilberto, um, Jack Jones, Frank Sinatra, you know, like uh, Errol Garner, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. But I remember my first, my very first musical memory, and my mum said this that uh, I, lo- I, I was up late, I think it was five or something like that, and uh, the Beatles came on and played Hey Jude. And I was, uh, for days, I was going, nah, 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 <laughs> And I, I begged my mum to buy the record, and she didn't. And now you, and actually the video now, I mean, thank God for YouTube, for mm-hmm. many reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, other than uh, Croatians murdering people in some... I'm glad it's gone beyond that. Like, you can see the video on yep. there. It's, it's it's weird that I touched on that record because when you look at that video, and I urge every view every view of this uh, podcast, look at the video. It is such a uh, an example of who and what we are. Like, there's blacks, there's... Muslims, there's this is 1968. There's all white people, way, way and ahead. All, yeah, it's rain show, and they invade this stage that the Beatles are playing, and it's so heartwarming to watch. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that I like, you know, it's like either luck or fortuitous or just you know, me just like a selective memory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it just seems like a beautiful moment that I remember that. Mm-hmm. So then I grew up with my brother's records, you know, like Pink Floyd. Stuff like that, 
but they, you know, I. Uh, so you really, you really, you're kind of. Um, sorry, you're kind of. Uh, you're being exposed to music through your parents and your like yeah. your family, right? And they, yeah, just, things are coming into the house, and you're just kind of and like. Be, and on tele- I mean, television, we grew up with Top of the Pops. You know, like we all regularly had music was a big fabric. I mean, I remember like uh, my father one uh, Christmas gave me and my brother. There was a store in London or in England called Tandy, and you could buy like, you know, build your <laughs> build your own house or. Build your own uh, microwave. No, there was no microwave, but that was kind of what they did. Yeah. Anyway, you could build your own radios. So me and my brother built this radio. No way. Right, a little radio, at least big. Yeah. And it, it actually worked. Just picking up like AM frequencies yeah. or what was it doing? Yeah, AM and FM frequencies. And we used to listen to the top 40. No way. Like every Sunday, you know, you know when I when I say abusive, this is what like, we were so scared of my father that almost like Sunday became a sanctuary, like from six to seven. They would play the top forty, so we'd hear stuff like, you know, stylistics and T Rex and, you know, uh, David Bowie and all kinds of different music. Yeah, coming out of a London station, like yeah, a like BBC Radio. Okay, yeah, no, just BBC Radio. Yep. I mean, I didn't discover the Pirates till much later on, little little later on. Yep. But it was BBC Radio, and you guys are just sitting around the house, you and your brother. There, we'd sit there and dog for an hour and pretend just pretend to be asleep, so mm-hmm. my dad wouldn't come in. Yeah, yeah. Silence. So like, Silence. We just this would be our. Mm-hmm. You know, we'd lie there. We'd like listen mm-hmm. to this radio, and we'd hear so much great. I mean, I would say it was great. We, it was. It was. I mean, back then it was probably what they consider rubbish now. But back then it was like you know, you had a real smorgasbord yep. of great music. Mm-hmm. And then I remember. Could you appreciate it back then? Could you could you tell the different like? No, I didn't. I didn't appreciate it back then, but I appreciate the safety of it. Mm. You know, like this was our moment. Mm-hmm. We could be, we brother could be by ourselves. So, and we listen, we'd be lost. Literally, when I say lost in the music, we'd be lost in that one hour mm-hmm. when they played down the top thirty. We'd be lost in that moment. And lost in the music is you know it's very interesting you say that right because that's <clears throat> that's what music can do. Yeah, you know we it's just, just we were just, we didn't want it to end that one hour because we knew our. At 701, mm-hmm. our father coming out. It's gonna get different. Okay. Get those books out. Yeah. We'd like. Yeah. You know, so um, and then I think I so my mum fought again. It was weird, like I don't know if they were because they were immigrants, but they fought against. You know, it's weird how immigrants come. No, actually my parents weren't that bad. They were other I mean, there were a lot of it's funny, my mum. My mum, especially, used to say that. She used to say that uh, she used to use the N word, unbelievably, against other people from her from India, mm. saying that because they, when they came to England, they, you know, they wanted to become part of, you know, the fabric of that population. Yeah. Whereas others, they all they did is come, because 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 uh, of because uh, uh, England invaded, uh, sorry, because uh, England invaded India, they gave everyone. You know, like Jamaica, everyone. Well, you've heard about. It. They gave everyone passports. Mm-hmm. You could come. You were you were a British citizen. Yeah. And but so what happened was a lot of immigrants came to England, especially Indian, and they just got educated and just went back. They never became part of the you mm-hmm. know the the fabric yep. of that population. So she used to use the N word against them. Hmm. I mean. Even then, we were just... You are like, whoa. Whoa, Mom. Whoa, Mom. Whoa. Mom. <laughs> Crazy. Whoa. We go, but she'd say, yeah, they're not, you know, 
no wonder we get, you know, the abuse that we get or whatever. It's because, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to be part. Of, you come to England or you go to somewhere and you become part of those people. Yep. You don't... Take it and run. Take it and run, you know. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't say she fought against it, but I don't. I think they, the music was too crazy for her. I think it was more of a musical thing. They didn't understand. So I finally persuaded my mum to buy me two records. I went into a, a record stop in a, what they called the local Arndale Centre, which was like, you know, you write the Chinook or whatever. Okay, yeah. And I bought and maybe And uh, here we go. I urge people to go on YouTube after this podcast and listen to these two records because I think this is a, 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 this is a portent to my future here. I bought a Rupee Edward because they were 50, they were like 20, no, they were five pence. They were in the, they were in the, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the discount, the discount bin. Yep. I bought Rupee Edwards, Irie Feelings, which is that, do you, do you know that record? No. It's not a reggae record. It's brilliant. It goes, Skanga, Skanga. It's a bizarre record. Why, why'd you, why, why did you want that one? Because I heard it. On, the, on I, the BBC, like on yeah, the top 40? Yeah, on the BBC, 40? I heard it. And then, and there's another record, and they were cheap. And uh, the other one was Osmond's Crazy Horses, which is like, Osmond's were like a teeny bop band, but Crazy Horses was like, this crazy heavy metal record. It's a heavy metal record. It is. And you, and you liked and the, both of them caught the your attention. <clears throat> crazy. Of of the of these tracks. And I still own them to this day. I, was, I, was I still ask have you. the original copies. Twelves? <laughs> no, no, no. Forties? Twelves didn't come like seven inches. Okay. I still have them to this day. I still have my parents' records. Sergio Mendes. I don't know. Well, obviously I don't know. The Big Crosby, which today is like the chagrin of mine. I wish I still had that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and it was fun. And then I kind of, I think I, I saw a Beatles film one Christmas. I started buying, I fell in love with the Beatles. Maybe it was a homoerotic thing. I don't, I don't know what men feel like at that time. But, but something, something it, like it that, was, that, the melody, was, like was, something was, was just like. It was something about that. So I got into the Beatles. And I was still listening to my brother's records. He was in the pink for, you know, like, so I was still into stuff like that. Yep. Um, and then around about 76, I was just sitting there and, uh, on the television came the Sex Pistols, right? Now, you know, we all think punk, like now, in retrospect, we, we think punk was this massive revolution. Mm. Jeff, it'd be like seeing, I don't know what it'd be like seeing now. I'm trying to think what it'd be like to be exposed to on mainstream television. It'll be like the most underground trap music being exposed to on primetime television. Mm. Now, this is before the swearing, right, mm. show. So I saw that and I was like transfixed. I'm like 13 years of age and I'm transfixed by this. Like, wow. And I mean, you see pictures of yep. I'm transfixed. So I went, okay. And then about a month later, they were on another show and I went, wow. And that was it. It was like a TSN turning point. Mm. And there's no one around me. You know, I didn't have any friends. Any, you know, yep. I was just me on my own. And you just had a moment. You're just like, and I just had a moment. You know, I'm sure you've had that moment where you've heard a piece of music, mm-hmm. a piece of music that may. And I don't think it happens to everyone. Some people like can hear music. And go, Look, and I forget what the word is when they hear me. There's some people out there who don't like music. Yeah. What's the word? There's a there's a word for it. Anyway, this was. And you got to remember, this is like you, can, you, can you like zero in to like exactly the room and like the feeling you had? I, yeah, well, you know, like I remember the second time I saw it, I was with my, so I was with my, I used to go 
because I tried to avoid my parents, my father, I was at my friend's house, second time I saw him. And so in this house, <laughs> you know, imagine there's the grandmother, you mm -hmm. know, from the war and mm -hmm. going, what is this shit? And you're just like. I'm just, and they're wearing like all those clothes mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And I was like, and my friends are going, and I'm going. This is Almost it. Like, this is it. I don't know, having like a moment, mm -hmm. a moment, a moment. And like, I mean, this is even the recorded version of their songs. This is like the rudimentary. Mm -hmm. So there's no, there's, there's been no indication I'd be into this music. Yep. And there's something about it. There's, and uh, and then they were on the, uh, the infamous Bill Grundy show, show when they swore and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that was it, public anyone, enemy number one. Mm -hmm. But what did that do for me? Just, just bought all in. And then next year, yeah, bought all in. So I cropped my hair put zips in my clothes. And like I said, as much as people thought that punk was a uh, a revolution in England, it was not. Even in South East, which is a pretty big burg, Wandsworth, in my school, I mean, I, I by then I was in a, a Roman Catholic, I went to a Catholic school, which is a, a whole nother. Yeah, yeah, okay. Different. A whole nother, mm -hmm. you know, when yeah. you're packed in with Jamaicans and Irish and like, <laughs> and, like, and you? White people. <laughs> well, no, basically Jamaicans and Irish and me. <laughs> it was, it's just crazy. A crazy... And so in that school of like 2,000 kids in that school... No way. There was me and one kid five years older than me were the only people who were punks. No way. Do you know the amount of beats I got? Oh, I can't imagine. And then when I, when I discovered there was this shop in the King's Road called Seditionaries where you could buy shirts with swastikas on, which wasn't, a, which wasn't a racist thing. It was like more of a F you to the war. Mm -hmm. But in that swastika, it had like a cross upside down and, and destroy. And then I had another shirt with uh, two cowboys with a cross. It was just, I'm 13. I remember attending. <laughs> you, you can walk, can you walk in and out of your house wearing oh, this? Yeah. But, wow. get the, but get, this, I was thinking about this today. Because I, I kind of thought I'd tell this story. I was thinking about this today. I was at a party. I don't know if you remember the parties, birthday parties you attended as a 13-year-old. Yeah, but I'm sure what you're going to say no. is way different no, than mine. It's not different. <laughs> but anyway, I turn up with this jacket, still smelling of paint, and I've written all, all this stuff on, like Just pretty vacant, consequently. I'm wearing this cowboy shirt. <laughs> so I'm 13. Shit. And I remember, so I remember one of the presents being passed around. The kid ripped so this is 77. Kid ripped open. It was the Star Wars. I still remember it. The original Star Wars toys. No way. And today I go, what if I trade my punk clothes in for Star Wars? He had the original Star Wars boy. And I went, yeah. And I went, <laughs> crazy man. So how bizarre. And the parents are, you could smell the paint coming and the parents are looking at me because that's when your parents still kind of attend their round. Going, mm -hmm. Does anyone want jelly? Who are these people? Come, <laughs> this guy with the two and I, yeah, the, with these two cows with the cocks hanging out. Thirteen. <laughs> oh no wonder my parents hate me. <laughs> so it's like it, it, it like altered your <clears throat> yeah it altered it was a. You know, when they talk about TSN Turning Point, That's it, it altered everything. Like, Did you like the music or did you like... I know, I, lo I love the music. I mean, obviously the music was something that attracted me in the beginning. Yeah. And what 
I mean, I mean, here we go. We, we, you know, you know, we, you know, there was a, I mean, there was a lot. I mean, I had no racism till I was eleven, and it seems after like what they call that, what were they call like five to eleven, what they call that here, like junior high. Do you know? Well, no, before five eleven is like what? Oh, like elementary school. Elementary. So yep. in in England, it was called primary school. Okay. There was no racism. I remember I was at, and it was the first indication of what would, what would happen for the next few years is that uh, I there was we me and this other girl were were the super intelligent ones right so I asked her for a dance she goes I don't dance with packies I mean it was like a portent to what was you know mm-hmm. what was ahead of me you mm-hmm. know like that naivety was gone it was yep. like I didn't feel grown up but I felt. In retrospect, the whole world was changing. Yeah. Because after that, yeah, it was a world of you. You go to secondary school, or what is it, junior high. Yeah. People don't care, do they? You're not a kid yep. anymore. Yeah. You get beat down, you get called names. And yeah, it was full on racism, mm-hmm. everything. And so, yeah, it's bizarre that I chose something not to hide, but to be more. Yeah, the way of. And I became, I became like, I think it's a development of my character now. I became. It's almost Napoleonic. I don't give a shit. I'm going out there. I'm going to wear these clothes, be who I am. I don't care if I get beaten. I don't care. And I got beaten. You know, there was a time, like, uh, I remember walking home and I was wearing God Save the Queen during 1977, during the Jubilee. And these guys, I got hit so hard, I got knocked out. These guys dragged me and they broke my arm on a, uh, a, on curb. a curb. I woke up. Like in an ambulance with like my arm like this. And I was thirteen. And I guess it was these grown men who just like, I'll give you God's sake. Not in our city. Yeah. But did it stop me? No. Just fueled you. <laughs> just stopped getting, you know. But, you know, I being the individual I am, being the man that had irony feelings and crazy horses, around about 77, 78, you know, 14, 14, I went. Kind of bored of this. I'm kind of bored of what it is. Mm. You know, like it just didn't seem to be going anywhere. You know, it just seemed to be everyone wanted like the same music, the same. You know how how almost punk suffers now with hardcore and all that. That's all they want. Yep. They don't grow beyond it. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting to Joy Division and Susie the Bank, like stuff that was different. You know, mm-hmm. that had that edge, but it just sounded like more. Ang- just more development and more mm-hmm. angular. And uh, and then like uh, uh, I started getting into for some reason I, I heard a track I think it was on a soundtrack to a film I heard Blue Moon by Elvis Presley. So I fell in love with doo-wop. I went to this record store I go, do you have any record do you have Blue, Blue Moon by Elvis? And he goes like and back then, there was no, like, what well, we had a CD. Mm. I had to buy a bootleg of the original Sun Sessions. And I went back, and then I bought more doo-wop records, and then I bought more, and I got into rockabilly and rocking records, like Vince Taylor's uh, brand-new Cadillac and stuff like that. But I was still buying all this other stuff. And uh, I got in, and then got into Cajun content, like, what is weird? And I was, like, 15, 16, and I went, so, like, an eclectic yeah, set, I like... I was like, in all this weird shit. Mm-hmm. My friends would come over, and I, I wouldn't be playing, and they'd go, like, what is this? <laughs> it's old. It's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I was still friends with them, and they, they thought it was weird. And 
uh, th this story will lead to my first DJ gig. But during this period, um, we went to see The Clash. Must be 78, 79. Um, we couldn't get in. Too young? No, no, no. I, Jeff, I was going to gigs at 13. Back in those days, I went to August. I saw the six specials at 14. No way. In, the, in this, I mean, and this, actually, that was a, a turning point for me. That's when, sorry, I should have gone back and said, that to me was a turning point. I found I I saw the I saw the Sex Pistols at this gymnasium in Uxbridge, which is like way 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 in the west of London, west of London. Um, it was like the size of the ship and anchor. They were playing on this stage, and it just sounded so boring and drab. And I went, they sounded like a plodding heavy metal band. Mm. I went, what is this? Mm. I don't. You know, yeah, it was like stripped of all, and then it was all people like it was almost like what it, what every uh revolution happens, the other people join yeah, in, they find and it. that's when it's not the way it weigh it down, yeah. And I felt that, and it's weird to feel that at 13, but I felt it already. I think that's why I got out of it. So, like, around about 79, I uh, we were, you know. We were cheap, or we'd seen the clash so many times. You know, I'd seen the clash back in the day. I'd seen them like 20, 30, 40 times. Before. No way. And so uh, we couldn't get in this gig, but this guy went, uh, uh, he was a tout, you know, selling tickets. He goes, I don't have that, but I have tickets for James Brown at the Wembley. I went, we went, <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think someone said the N word because he. Yeah. And we went, okay, we'll get it. He said, yeah, no, you could backstage. It was like every all access. So we went to Wembley Empire Pool, which is actually the size of, uh, let's say, the size of Saladome. Okay. It's probably a little bigger, but let's give people Ish. a uh, yep. a dimension size. Jeff, there must have been 50 people there, right? Maybe 50, 60. You've got to remember that disco had ended funk. No one, hardly anyone, you know, of that ilk went to gigs at mm -hmm. 79. He did the full show. The full show. 50. The K-pop, dropping to his legs, the backing. There was none of the, you know, the later James Brown. It was full on funk. Do, do, do. And I went, that's it. That's it. Rock and roll was over for me. Obviously, it was, I still bought rock and roll, but it was over. Mm -hmm. You know? All funk. The, this is like, wow. It blew me away. Uh the sound, his his energy, like the... Just... I, you know, like, there were... F Jeff, there were 50 people there, right? Even to this day, like, I know you and I have DJed to 50 people. I don't think we've applied even mm -hmm. a hundredth of the energy mm -hmm. that man did. It was a show, and he put on a show. Mm -hmm. Put on the full show. He Crazy. didn't, you know, he didn't, like... I think maybe it was even, you know, before the drugs and all caught in. He put on the full show. And I was just, wow, this guy has done something that all these other bands have never done. Mm. He has done, he is like committed to like his craft, and, yep. you know, the passion that music. And I felt it. And, you know, a few weeks later, a guy from uh, college, he took me to a, because uh, I was telling him that I'd been to James Brown. He, oh, he fought his old time. Oh, James Brown. Even amongst that, so, oh, James Brown, old timey. Like I told him, I seen Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In 79, he went, oh, yeah, old timey. He goes, like, uh, 
hey, do you want to come to a club with me? I went, sure. He goes, he goes, we'll pop out during, <laughs> you're laughing at this, we'll pop out during lunchtime. To go to the club. <laughs> Where is I that? Mean, oh, sure, okay. We'll put, so we went down to Soho and there were club, there were dance clubs, like full-on soul and funk dance clubs open in Soho in London, in the West End. During lunchtime, one till four o'clock. Well, sorry, 12 till four o'clock. Full on, packed, packed. Crazy. <laughs> 12 till four. Crazy. <laughs> so I went down and all I heard was Family Affair by Slider Family Stone and you could smell you know before I even got there I could smell the sweat I could, you know like like how big are these even rooms? Though, even though you know when you go to a certain club oh, yeah. you can feel the heat mm -hmm. you can feel it you go mm -hmm. like yes this is a fucking night totally. I wanna, you know and I'm not saying like you're generic like cowboys but when it's a club you want to go to mm -hmm. and you just feel wall of you can, it's almost like you feel the lights the heat mm -hmm. the energy totally you can feel it mm -hmm. you're not even there mm -hmm. you go and you go ah here we go <laughs> and you're like so fucking and you know I felt so energized mm -hmm. felt like fucking wow and then seeing some of the best dancers I mean the dancers I saw were like off the off the hook, mm. like you know, like incredible. So cool, man! Just incredible, and a lot mm. of music they play, so incredible. Mm. And people dance, and it's just like, wow, that's it. Next, I'm grabbing that Smith record, but I'm grabbing, it, you know, like, and that was it. It was like, uh, mm. so I started collecting like old soul and funk and stuff like that. Where. where when you're when you're walking into those clubs, you know, is, is the DJ hosting the show? No, like, is, the is, DJ. Well, they there were some DJs that did. Yeah. Right? I know, like, in, I mean, I never went to those, but I know out in the world they yeah. had DJs like Chris Hill and all that get on the mic. Yeah, and there was <clears throat> there was talk about these guys. Like, uh, it's almost like before punk and all that, mm. the guys would get on the mic and yeah. there were places where they dress up in clothes and he'd go and go, hey, uh, you know, kind of like. Uh, Summer clubs still do here. Do any do? I think the gay clubs used to. Mm. I know uh, uh, Twisted. Okay. And I went like, really? Here. Mm. Hey, here comes the flower man. That, yeah, it's a Selling flowers. <laughs> well, of course he's the flower man. What else would we be selling? Hopes and dreams? <laughs> so, so who's playing the music these places? Just, just a guy. The, just well, a guy? Just know, like a, you'd find out a later. selector? But you know, it's weird like, this comes later, like, you know, DJs were just, you went, I mean, I didn't, I, I mean, I never really knew about DJ culture till kind of much later. But even then, it didn't matter. I mean. It's just music. Yeah, you know, I didn't know who Larry Levan was, but I was at Paradise Garage, but, and later on, you know, I guess I knew it was Larry Levan. Yeah. But, you know. It was just guys playing great music. Mm -hmm. It didn't really matter. Like people, I mean, obviously, you know, in that, if you're in that environment, you followed those DJs. Yeah. I mean, this particular DJ, I don't know, I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah. He might be a big dude, but he was playing great music, mm -hmm. and people were just like loving it. And you, know, Jeff, it's one o'clock in the say, afternoon, they're and they're they're going, they're getting, they're going, they're going, going. Crazy. They might be going back to work exactly. in an hour. Because it was like we stayed till free and it was still packed, but people would come in and out. They were going to work, back to work. And was it because the music was, they couldn't find it anywhere else? Yes. 
I mean, that's another thing. I mean, you know, we'll get into this later, but that's another thing. It's like, well, they could find it, but these guys, it's the way the guys played it and mm. the way they exposed it mm. and, you know, what they did with it. And also you're playing to, you know, like English club culture is whole different than we, we know. Even even weirder than any other, you know. I mean, I've heard, I've read about other cultures, but England's so weird. I mean, Jeff, in the 70, early seventies, who travels hundreds of miles to a small town in outside of Manchester to dance to sixties soul? Mm. Who does that? Mm. They travel from Edinburgh, London, Wales. Who does that to listen to obscure sixties soul? Crazy. Thousands of people. Thousands. And there's no, like, internet or, like, you know, magazine that tells you. They've just heard. They're coming. And how many how many people would you know now who thousands of people would travel all over the world to dance to... And here we go back to what you're saying. It's like they had the records. Yep. They, people... You had one option. You had but, one option. That's where you had to but go. But there was no indication of that. There's, there's no signpost. There's mm. no nothing. What makes people do that? Other than the love for music, word of mouth, the love of dancing, the, uh, the, the, the you know, the uh, the depression of you know life in England. Mm. What makes people do that? I don't know. Yeah, there was no indication of that, and there was a television program after that, and then it blew up even worse. But before that, it was busy. Mm. So crazy, man. What what is it? It's just, it's and you know, and you know what's even bizarre that. And here we go. I, I urge people who view this uh, podcast, look at the Northern Soul Dancing and then look at Breaking. There is, it's so weird, Jeff. There's no difference. Hmm. These people were dancing the same and there was no internet or nothing, but they were both dancing the same way. Hmm. It's just fucked. Sorry, sorry if I can't swear, but it's no, fucked say. up. How do you, it, you said it a couple of times, you know, the dancing and the music. Which was there? Were they both equally as interesting to you? Oh, without a doubt. Like I mean, years the energy, later, right? That the day. energy. Years later, uh, I used to play with uh, Charles Peterson, but this is before I quit. And these the the jazz dancers. I urge you to go go to London, and I don't know if they're still around. But the dancing they did, like if you've ever watched those old films with uh, uh, Gene Kelly and all that, it was like that. They would go up this wall. Come down in splits. Come up. And <laughs> you saw that live. There were more. That's what I say. They were more interesting than a DJ, mm. and they weren't you know, breaking. These guys were so out there, mm. and they were dancing to like, you know, uh, a break in a Dizzy Gillespie song, or you know, and even Norman Soul dancers. They were dancing to these weird Latin breaks. You know, that's why the link between what they were dancing and hip hop, and what they were dancing to in the eighties. You go, how did these people? Dance the same. It's the music. It's mm. something about it mm. that that drives your legs, mm -hmm. that drives your imagination to dance a certain way. That's the same. It doesn't matter if you're in mm. in London or Lagos or or Brooklyn or whatever. Yeah. It makes you do the same things because mm. it's something about that music. Mm -hmm. Just the driving beat. Just the driving beat, and your 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 passion to be. I don't know if your passion to be nice, but your passion to be the ace face, to be the person that yeah. does the best. Yeah. That does, you know? It was such a thing. Like, I don't know anything, right? I, you and I are totally different generations, but, you know, the, the tail end of like when 
when you're watching shows like on TV and dancing, whether it's Soul Train or whatever, like these, it was such dancing was such a thing, and you could be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's one of the problems these days, is that people don't know how to groove. They don't listen to the music, but then also the music isn't made to dance anymore. Mm -hmm. It's made to kind of like just be there, nod your head, and like we'll mm. jump up and down. The kids jump up and down. So uh, yeah, I, I did that. And, uh, so when was your first like when was your first gig? My, my first gig <laughs> was seventy nine eighty. Someone heard I had a big rockabilly do what collection. And you did have a big one. Yeah. Like, were you spending? Were you buying like ten records a week kind of thing? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, it was, had, uh, so it was a big. Oh, uh, we were doing dodgy shit. Mm. You know, we were. You're finding records. I was finding records, and I was like, you know. So you had a collection. People start figuring this out. And then, you know, someone's known someone. And there, used, there was a guy at the, what was the Fountain Pub in Tootie. He was a rockabilly or a rock and roll DJ. And uh, he wanted someone to, they wanted someone to like, uh, you know, be the uh, opening DJ to play like the mellow stuff and stuff like that. And so I did that for a few weeks. And then like, he got drunk or something or other. And then for some reason, I had to finish. <clears throat> what kind of music? Everything? Well, that was no, that was just rockabilly rock and doo-wop. Okay. Okay. But uh, I had no idea what to play. Like this guy was like, he was a really good DJ, rock and roll DJ. Yeah. So I played. I had no idea what to play. So I had Zorba the Greek. You know the theme. Da 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 da. I played that. Holy fuck! Come alive. It was like it was like playing Rage Against the Machine. No way. Killing the name at the ship. <laughs> There's not, there's not a stick of furniture the? left. <laughs> and then I played Deliverance, the feed from Deliverance. You remember this, hey? I, made, I remember those two songs that I played. I played the Cajun music because I was big into Cajun. Anyway, the next week, wasn't allowed to play. I'd outshone him. No way. But I learned the power of DJs. Like how you can just like... How you, you know, how you can just, with just a few songs, mm -hmm. be... Mm -hmm. You, know, you take him on a ride. Take him on a ride. Play, you know, before that, it was just, yeah, you know, I'm playing. You know, yeah. And this was like, <laughs> That was the first time you realized they, that this will do that. Yeah, you had that. This will do that. You had that impact. Yeah. And it wasn't like fall out or anything. I mean, obviously I'd read, you know, I mean, obviously I didn't buy Zorba the Greek because, you know, I'm, <laughs> hey, I'm so interested. I'm the most amazing like, collector in the world, an arbiter of taste. I'm going to play Zorba the Greek. No, I've obviously... Read somewhere, maybe that uh, uh, the guy from, because I'm a big Cramps fan, so yep. maybe I read that uh, Lux Interior played it or mm. something like that. So I played it, but yeah. Uh, Sideshow Sid, were you, did they call you that back then? No. <laughs> I was like, holy hell, you've, oh, had, you've had that handle uh, for like. Uh, I was Sid back then. Okay, okay. Um, so that's your first gig. And then, that did, was my first and then gig. did you, you were like, wow, this is yeah. something? And then I didn't play till like the 80s. And then, you know, I had a lot of soul and funk and I played some friends' parties and mm. other people were there. And I played, you know, I played, you know, I played with like Pete Tong and all this. But I played very low in the building, you know, like, mm. not even major. Just the opening guy. Yeah. And then I, uh, you know, I was going to clubs, you know, you know, I'd Blitz, Beatroot, all these great clubs, mm -hmm. you know, that were like the foundation of club culture. Mm -hmm. And I kind of stopped DJing in 85. I had kids. Yep. Stuff like I got married. I did, you know. And then I, uh, I came in 93. And then I started doing the show. No way. Well, no, actually, I came in 87 and I did the show. Okay. 
I came here for a year and I did a show in CGSW for a yep. year. And you randomly just kind of went to the Well, I just went to the state. That's back when you go to the stage, you go, and you know, and then, hey, I got soul and funk and house and hip hop. I mean, 87. And they went like, whoa, okay. Who's this hey, guy? How about do a show? Literally, you go and walk in and do a show. And he's got That's an like accent. That's Clark, you know, the, uh, the godmother of uh, Folk Fest. She uh, just went, okay. So, Musicarium? No, it was just I just think, a show. No, I think it was the music career then. I'm trying to think if it was. Hmm. I do have a tape of one show from that. Movie. Crazy. I should drag back. So that was '87. Then you that, came here full time in '93. '93. I wanted to come back because, you know, I had kids then, and you know, it's always the way. You don't want your kids to go through what you went through. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought my kids here in '93, mm. and um, back then there was a uh, Dominic Sweeney was the station manager. My soon. Where Sue Giussi was the uh, program director. Mm -hmm. So she remembered me for five years before she went. So when I, you know, said to them, like, I'd like to show you, she went, okay. Uh, well, they had, a, they gave me a Thursday. So I did that for a few months. She goes, you know, you got to give it to my students. Like, this is, she changed, uh, I think, CGSW and gave them almost their reputation into the modern world. She, she uh, jumped up the Friday night, you know. The whole Friday night thing, like so, it'd start with me and then you know, roll on through from whatever to mm -hmm. all the way to the rave at 12 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So that's where. So she like programmed and she, she programmed, programmed a night, right? Kind of the like Bangra, which was kind of like left field, left field, but whatever that was, whatever it was. So that was Musicarium, that was music. That was the music. Uh, the Musicarium was always there. I think the music, it started Musicarium on Thursdays and all that, but then it yeah. became like, yeah, that's when it became. Hmm. The show that was a reputation that whole mm -hmm. like, oh, welcome to the weekend. Yeah, but it but it but it was a yeah. It was it was, it, it was a place to find to listen to some yeah. And then, and you talk about record, you could only hear those records on that show, mm -hmm. and you know it mm -hmm. like it uh, it grew from there. And you know as much as people, and I should warn you, listeners or viewers, that uh, as much as you want to do in CGSW, like as much as you think like, oh, I played all those great songs. Where's the ticker tape around you? You mm -hmm. come out your first show. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until about two years later that people actually came up and said, this is good. Wow, this is good. Mm -hmm. You didn't hear about it, you mm -hmm. know, but you just did it because, yeah. you know, you love music. I mean, yeah. I did. I had done pirate radio in, uh, I mean, that's why I always consider DJing at CGSW a privilege because back in the 80s and 90s in London, it wasn't, you know, like the BBC is like what the, what the uh, CRTC are here, right. you know, and they were like, mm. wow, if you don't play yep. this, they'll carve you off the air. Yep. BBC would send people around. They'd, they'd hire heavies Listening. to come and like mm. raid your whatever mm. and take all your equipment, all your records, mm. everything. We used to have like ropes outside the window so we could like, they want no to go so out. We could get out. <laughs> how, how ghetto is that? Crazy. It's like, it's like what year was this? 1950? <laughs> So, but that was the eighties and nineties. Like, yeah, you had to like so, avoid the band. And so, Musicarium—that's kind of like, you know, you're full time in Calgary now, and you're just, you know, you're playing everything you love. Yeah. And just like the sideshow, Sid born. Yeah, from that Musicarium. Yeah, Musicarium. That's right. It was born from that, and then um, yeah, I mean, I never imagined DJing or whatever. But then I started getting asked for gigs. You know, people want to... Just as, as, like you said, it takes two years to kind of yeah. build this thing. People you know, start as, talking. As the, and they as the like, reputation yeah, grew. This, this they, is interesting. You know, the people were interested, so they wanted me to do it. Yep. And, 
was yeah, your, the, your the, sorry your first your first like club lounge gig in Calgary? Yeah, well, you know, it's weird. Like, so I started with the green the green foods, and one yellow rabbit used to hire me for gigs, and then I approached. And this is an interesting story here. I approached uh, Victor Victor Choi, who owns the whole Concord Empire, owns this. Mm-hmm. Hey, Vic, I'm taking these candles <laughs> with me. Uh, I approached Victor and said, you know, I want to, I think we should, uh, you know, at Mercury, with the Mercury, which is where Shoppers is. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, why don't we do some music here? Why don't we do the radio show? He mm-hmm. goes, oh, yeah, typical Victor. Did you? Oh, I don't know, Sarah. I, and I said, I think I said, I'd pay you $100. I'll pay him $100. Did you know? For the first month. I knew it through other people. Okay. I knew, I knew a lot of the, I knew a lot of the heads that were going on at the party. Like yep. I knew Mike Bell and people like that. Yeah. People knew him. So he went, okay, okay. So we did it. And then that was the first actual lounge gig. Mm. You know, like DJs in a lounge. Mm-hmm. Back then, yeah, it was a reflection of the show. You heard like Jungle. You heard like mm. Down Tempo. You mm-hmm. heard Soul and Funk. And, mm-hmm. You know, it was like... Uh, you know, it's cool was an interesting. Yeah, it's cool it was spot. a very, you know, compared to what it was before, it was like they had it all wrong, and yeah, then no. they had this cool vote, which then other bars yep. imitated. Totally. Sometimes better, yep. sometimes not, but it was definitely a zeitgeist of what mm-hmm. player. He, mm-hmm. he was very. Uh, He's always been. Yeah, he was very visionary yep. in, in what we did. Yep. So it was that, but then you know, come, um, you know, and then I played like. And then he put me on to other gigs. But, you know, sometimes I always found I, I'm a very square peg in a round hole. You know, I find sometimes I'm too ahead of the curve. Mm. And back then I wasn't prepared to bend. Because yeah. remember I did one of my last few gigs with the embassy. <laughs> Sid! <laughs> this is not your fucking radio show. <laughs> I do not want to hear jungle on the top floor of the embassy. No way. But that's what I was hired for. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He realized it wasn't working. Yeah. So uh, that's when they brought Robin. And uh, yeah, and it, you know, uh, bit by bit it tailed off. And, you know, I, I mean, back then it was just like DJing was a sideline, yeah. And then I, uh, I, uh, I, had a, I went back to England to earn money for like I remember 2001. You, I remember you. Like. I went, I did the last show. Yeah. And then uh, the wife, Wife decided, <laughs> maybe she always knew. She decided the first month, yeah, I don't want you back. So I was kind of like uh, Shanghai in London, mm-hmm. which is obviously the best place to be. And I had, uh, I know this is probably, uh, doesn't bring solace to many people who've been divorced, but uh, I'd say, you know, your first divorce is the best divorce because I had a blast. London. After I don't, I did. You know, actually, I was celibate for that eighteen months, but I had the best time. Mm. You know, galleries. You know, like coming from Calgary, which is like it's Calgary, isn't it? You know, like you stop and then there's a there's a statue of Alfred the Great from like <laughs> before Roman times, mm-hmm. and you sure appreciate it. Like mm. you never appreciated it at the time. Yeah, but now you appreciate the richness. You appreciate the fact that you go to Tate for free, or that. uh you know, radio header in the park mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. Or, you know, like, just so many amazing things. That, you know, oh, there's a Warhol exhibition at the tape. You know, just like, you know, I don't know, 
you're going to rest us we move to 3pm. He's like, yeah, by the way, there's a, there's Warhol at the tape. But, you know, there's other stuff going. You don't have to go. <laughs> you don't You don't have to go if you want, but it's on for six months. But, hey, <laughs> take your time. Yeah, that's what she's like. Take your time. You'll come in the end. So, you know, you're soaked. I remember I soaked up everything. You, you just because you were in a, your head was in a, in a spot, you were just like, I'm yeah, scared. and I, you know, like, you know, I, you know, I was, I was uh, the uh, professional Englishman when I came, you know, you know, I, remember, I was like, go blind me, governor, punch me in the caliber. I was like, that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. But after that, I think I became more erudite. I really became like, wow, you know, I had a sense of history and who I really was. Mm. You know, I really appreciated. What Igloo was, what Calvary could be, mm -hmm. you know. So when I came back, I was very. Well, I don't know if it's fine to DJ. It was weird. I came back. Yeah, actually, I, I I became a more rounded person. I think. So when I came back to Calgary, you know, I mean, by then I, I'd had an English degree, a computer degree. You know, I was, oh no way! Reasonably intelligent. Yep. You know, I'm not a plumber. I mean, these are, we've even missed out on what I was before. Why I had all this money to buy records, which is a whole another story. Um, and I, I, I told her he was going to just get a job, you know. But then at least she got on the plane, Jeff. And someone offered me to play the Mercury. Like Victor or Matt Morrison said, said, do you want to play on Friday? We've missed you. I went, where you been? I went, I've been away for 18. Yeah. I literally got off the plane. Mm -hmm. And so for the last 18 months, it started there and hasn't ended. No way. I, you know, I don't think there's been, I mean, maybe you can count on one hand the amount of weekends I've missed playing a gig. Hmm. You know, like, and that wasn't the plan coming back. That was not the plan. I did, I, you know, because like, I, I can't, like, you know, when you were done, when you went back, I was, I was around by then. You know, I was kind of working at the embassy, you know, bus and being. I was, I was around, so I obviously knew who you were. And then I remember you left, and it was, I think you left, and you were playing a couple of gigs a weekend. And it was, it was a when you when you got the gigs back then, you held on to them, yeah, because there wasn't a lot of rooms. And then you left, but when you came back, that you were like, I'm not gonna do this, yeah. and, and here we are. Fast forward, 18, you haven't stopped. 18 years later, and like, who would have thought, like, literally, like, because I know how it works anywhere in the world, you literally thought, like, oh, I had 18 months have gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no more, there's no more ins, right? There's no more ins. And the, whoever was waiting is now in there. Yeah. And it's all kind of done. It's all done. Like, there must be a ton of DJs. Yeah. Who have taken my place. Yeah. You know, you were, I never, you were fine. I never touted myself. I never said, oh, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was none of that. Like, literally, I got off the I got off the plane and someone took me to uh, Mercury and Matt Morris said, do you want to play on Sunday? Well, okay, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because you were like, you didn't know exactly what you were going to do, but so no, you were like, I'll just do this. I had this. no idea. I'll, so I'll, I put along and it literally like, uh, and that was in July. And so it's July 2003 and December, funny enough, December 2003, I was literally going to go home because things, you know, like, you know how it is in Calgary, red, this, that. Yeah, yeah. And then flashlight kind of happened for me and Rob. Mm -hmm. Like Rob invite, invited me to play flashlight for some reason. He didn't want to do it on his own. He wanted yep. me to do it with him, yep. which I kind of fought against. So I went, really? Because, you know, his night at the embassy was big. Was yep. His disco. Oh, night. yeah. But he wanted me to... to uh, which is interesting, hey? What, what do you think the... What do you think his thought... Because, you know, Faust is a really good friend of mine, obviously. And what do you think his thought process was? What... <laughs> Just, I mean, he wanted me. He wanted me to be the heavy because I think he had a lot of mooches around him. Mm. He wasn't making 
you're making money but not enough money. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he thought it's you know push it along, and maybe he thought it was. What about he, the music? What about that? This the was there a was there an interesting dynamic of your musical selections between the two of you? Uh, Could you feed off each other? Did he did he understand that your musical knowledge was? Uh, Something that could... Well, you know, I got Robbie's first gig. I was the one that recommended Victor to No way. Because so. did, did he have a show on CGSW too? Yeah, he had a show on CGSW, but he was playing Latin and Boogaloo and what stuff his, like that. What was his show called? Okay, so what was the first gig you got him? What was it? <laughs> <laughs> actually, he played... You know, we actually played a gig way, way back in the day at the Westwood. No, ooh, that was fun. That was a fun place. Robbie, you got... Jeff, this was a gig and I was... I always think that it was the last gig of its type because I think it was very. I think it was like 1998, 1999. So it was like almost that time when things were turning. Mm-hmm. Went, Everyone had to mix. They got a salad. I'm going to mix it, and I'm going to mix these records as well. Yep. They were everyone had to mix. This was the last gig where I remember people just playing records. I still remember me playing James Brown Nine Power, Mind Power, all nine minutes and fourteen seconds of it, and people were just going, going. Going. Jeff, going. All night. Going, going, going. Crazy. And Rob did the opening. And I remember, like, I could... They wanted me to play as New Year's Eve, but we decided to uh, do our own New Year's Eve somewhere, yep. which is a failure. And Rob... I recommended to Victor that he have Rob for New Year's Eve. And that was it. It never... In. He was Cut. in. Vic uh, is... And he was a clip-on bear. He was not... Let- <laughs> he, was not he went. Go. And he, like... He was not letting go of Victor... <laughs> So what flashlight? That was that was a you know after you come back, flashlight was a was a was a moment in time. Yeah, it was a, I think it was a big like you guys you guys killed it. Yeah, for like for a good seven years, we yeah. got, you know and, it, and it, you know what it was is and I don't, I don't I think a lot of people didn't understand you know a lot of our peers because back then everyone was about mixing you got to mix yeah yeah, yeah. got two records. Can you just play them? No, I gotta mix them. I gotta find those two records to mix them. You know, everyone's obsessed. Yeah. We just, it was a gong show. It was a party. We just, you know, we had dancers. We had like the cannon. stupid movies, but we had the canon. Uh, you know, and even influence going back to the Paradise Garage. I remember being mm. in Paradise Garage and it, it came to a certain point, like midnight, and all we played was the rain. Mm. So, had, so that's what we used to do. We played the, we'd take the lights down and play rain. Cool. And then, Boom, flash your guy, the cannon go. And, and that was it. It was a moment. Yeah. You know, it was like everything that we do and learn, we try to put into that night. And, and that's probably why it yeah, worked. It worked for a long, long time. I mean, nothing lasts forever. Yeah, nothing lasts forever. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I remember uh, I, I watched Rice here and he was saying how. You know, uh, staff change against you, stuff like that. Yeah. And then, you know, the, they were asking us to, oh, can you play stop, stop modern? Can you, uh, like, mm. uh, you know, uh, play something with a beat? Uh, mm. You know, can you dress like uh, 18th century courtesans and, like, you know, dust the furniture at the end of the night? Fuck off. Mm-hmm. You know, it became that kind of that. Yeah. So in the end, yeah, we got let go. and But I was not, you know, I had run its course. Yep. You know, like, you run a bar for seven years Dude, or club. I can't. It's incredible. You know, you know, I mean, it's incredibly hard because yep. we turned our crowd over three times. Mm-hmm. Three times. Because people get old. In it, and you find it now, even, even where DJ bars, you find it changes like 
two every two years. Crazy. Max. People just age out totally. when they meet someone. Yep. Really, you know. Yeah, life changes. Um, yeah. Anyone who's been drinking for seven years, I'd send them to the asylum. Mm-hmm. Can you go home? Mm-hmm. Can totally. you find someone to love? I'm sick of you. <laughs> go home. Here, here's all your money back. Totally. Over the, Thank you. Over the years. Thank you. Yeah. So do you, are you, you know, to have that kind of run, you know, from coming back and run until now, like you couldn't even, was that even on your radar as a no. possible? I mean, you know what's happened is, is that, so after Flashlight, you know, I had, you know, I went from, you know, because I, I was DJ Flashlight, the university, Ship and Anchor, and then to lose all those gigs. <laughs> Jeff, I was a broken man. I mm. was DJing in Bindapur. Mm. Mm. All I was missing was uh, back rubs and reach rubs. <laughs> 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 or maybe I did that uh, for some extra cash as well. But, you know, that's another story. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, back there, I had to play populist music and stuff like that mm-hmm. just to pay the rent. Yep. So it was, uh, you know, and I was, still, I was trying to get a job, but, you know, it's weird is that you don't, you know, when you when you when you have a career that I have and all the education I've had, you know, it's it's always the case of like someone you know. Yeah. The trouble is, people who know me don't want to hire me. I wonder why. <laughs> is it because of my sunny person? <laughs> is it because I'm? I, I was told I'm a distraction to the workers. Interesting. <laughs> I was told by someone I got I got let go from Shell because I was too entertaining around the uh, mm. cooler. They said too many people are coming around the wall cooler. Because of me. Two minute water turns yeah. into two hour chat. <laughs> two hour chats. Mm-hmm. Or I take people to see the soccer game down at the pub <laughs> for three hours. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, you know, I think it's just, I mean, obviously the game has changed. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, the group I work for, Concord, God bless them, are like, uh, you know, one of the few people who hire me, which is kind of ironic mm. and kind of. Uh, That's how it started. But also, like, uh, the damnation of the people that we know. That, you know, like, and how DJ, when you get to a certain level of DJ, we go back to my days at the fountain. Yeah. They don't want you to be. Yeah. You know, they don't want you to fucking mm-hmm. put them in the shade. Mm-hmm. They always want you there. Yeah. You might do something that, mm-hmm. that to make them go like, mm, this is kind of like, maybe. Like, I don't know. I, you know, I don't get into conspiracy, whatever. Yep. But it's interesting that Concord, you know, as much as people say I have a bad attitude or I shout a lot or whatever, I've worked for these guys off and on for like 25 years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. That's a long time, man. You know, and if you're a dick, yeah, it's you know, not if you're last. a real dick, it's not you know, gonna <laughs> you're not going to, you know, anyone will tell you that, uh, you know, if you're not nice to certain people yep. or you don't get on with staff, mm-hmm. you're not going to get rehired. No, nobody wants to. I mean, everything has changed. I mean, it used to be eight uh, percent of me, twenty percent of them. Mm-hmm. Now it's changed. Yeah. You know, once in a while, I'm just happy to stick in. You know, some Stevie Wonder and some Jungle once in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, I'm not saying it's the worst. You know, my my kid put it into perspective. He go, he worked at Safeway, right? He used to work at Safeway. Yeah. He lives in London now. Oh, he's a producer now. He tells me. Oh, a producer of what? <laughs> Steely piles of poo. But, uh, he tells me he's a producer. And he said, like, years ago, he goes, like, because I came up going, <laughs> Mr. Blobby, like, kicking yeah. the walls. He goes, like, uh, Dad, how much did you earn today? And, I, you know, back then, I, was, I earned 400 a night, let's say. Yeah. He goes, like, Dad, I worked eight hours. 
for $100. What are you complaining about? Mm. And I just did four hours. I went, yeah, you're right. Noted. Yeah, duly noted. Mm -hmm. You know, and so since then I've never been like, you know, you have bad nights, you have good yeah. nights. And yeah. You have, well, can you can you keep things on the even keel now? After all these years, like good nights, bad nights, can you kind of have a, uh, have a like I, you know, this is like, when I was playing, I was kind of, it was, it wasn't a roller coaster, but I definitely found like the, the highs were crazy high. Like the, you know, after a night, the energy, like the building's still vibrating because it was amazing. The nights that suck, you're just at the bottom. You're like, man, it's late. I'm tired. And it's just, it's kind of this up and down thing. Well, right? that's because, that's because, you know, like, unfortunately DJs are like, you're like a film director or you're like a, uh, you know, a television producer. You're autonomous. Mm. You know, they might give you the money, but uh, if you fuck up, yeah. you know, so it all, it's all on your shoulders. Really. And sometimes I think we get lost in that, that we really, f I mean, I, I, told, I told a club owner years ago, like, if you think, because he was having got at me, he goes, if you think I turn up here to fuck this night up, mm. you're truly mistaken. Mm -hmm. I come here to play the best gig Mm -hmm. And that's what I do every night. Back to the James Brown thing. Yeah. I do. I mean, I mean, obviously, <laughs> over the years, I've learned to like you know you can't do any of yeah. the uh, Mr. Sniffles, and I don't drink anymore and stuff yeah. like that because you know you you realize your limitations as you get old, mm -hmm. and you have to be professional, yeah. and you have to be aware of what's going on. You have to look. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes I play to no one, and it's devastating because you feel yeah. like you are responsible. Yeah. But then you know it's a it's a bigger malaise. Mm -hmm. But you know, then you play a good gig and you know it's good. Yeah. I mean, obviously like you've played clubs, which is like a big thing, you know, when people pay their money, mm -hmm. it's even worse. Yeah, there's they really expect you, you know. Yeah, you gotta give them something. Yeah. So it, it is some it is a very yeah, like is uh have you just kind of been able to find that yeah, I, you that know, understanding it's still, like it's still hard sometimes. It's, yeah. It's it's still incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes when uh isn't that fascinating, though? Bars change managers, because at the moment I'm dealing with like some managers who you know you don't like it. Yeah. My girlfriend goes, how do you know? I go, yeah, I'm old. I'm like a cat. I know mm -hmm. who don't like me. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't like like me, you know, yeah. but they don't like the way I play the music. They don't mm -hmm. like this, and I know it. So, you know, they obviously, you know, their, their urge is to get rid of me. Yep. And so you're fighting that yep. and fighting maybe the poison in the machine that they yep. might give. So that it's kind of when you fight when you fight a battle on all fronts, it mm -hmm. gets hard. Yeah, and and then you have to muster up the energy to actually to build to create an environment for the customers. Exactly. So it's a, I always found that it takes a lot of energy to get up to kind of hold a room to make sure the customers are happy and having a good time. And if, when there's things kind of yanking you down, it's tough to get. But you there. were lucky. You were just playing house music. Imagine. No, what, I can, I, I can never imagine doing what you do. Imagine what no, I do. No. Dude, the, the, the... Jeff, it's reinventing the wheel every fucking week. Duh. Like, I don't know, from, you know, like some people have sets. Ask me the name of set mm. I play. I don't even know sets. Mm. And here we go about being a feature. I'm playing songs that, count, you know, I'm playing, because I look at, I spend most of the week, you know, on top of doing my show and stuff like that, I spend most of the week like looking at other charts, what other people are playing, blah, mm. blah, blah. Mm. So, you know, you play like something like, uh, like that Shouse song, Love Tonight. Calculators don't even know that song. Mm. That's however, even though it's like in the billboard, because they're not playing it on the radio, they don't mm. know it. Mm. How much time do you do research? How oh, much, how, shit. Like, are you, are you three like hours a, a day. You're, you're like a crazy man. And that's, three hours a day. Which is, which is, like you said, I just played house. I had one lane. I knew I, know, I, 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 know, I, know I No, no, that. no, but I, I, I knew how to use it. What, 
being a musical person like you and have those playing these rooms where you got to pull everything together and then research things is a different ballgame. But it's also, you also realize how, how DJ game is changing. Like, mm. like during COVID, during the last 18, 19 months, how it's changed, how the bedroom DJs and the advent of the controller has changed. I heard some DJ the other day, and I won't name him, or I won't tell you where it was. He played Ice Ice Baby, Vanilla Ice, into Aqua uh, Barbie Girl. Really? Whatever you might think of those songs, he mixed them. But did he? What he is, you have, on, on those uh, controls, you have a sync button. Mm -hmm. So what happens is that the uh, previous song chases up mm -hmm. to the song you're bringing in. Yep. To uh, grab an analogy amongst your uh, viewers who don't quite know the BPMs of that, it'd be like Usain Bolt and me running and me trying to you catch, catch him. How what? What I'd have to do to catch him, mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. That is the modern DJ. I've heard people doing, like, mixes that might please a crowd, but are so incredibly wrong. Wrong. Just wrong in a taste sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I play some shitty music. I'll go hands-on. Hey, I've played Barbie Girl. I, hey, well, that's just the way. You know, I, I feel like I'm like, Michael Caine, when he commented about Jaws, Jaws Revenge. You ever seen Jaws Revenge? No, they have. Anyway, I love his comment. He says like, <laughs> hey. And he said, oh, a critic said, Michael, that's a terrible film. He goes, yeah, I, by all accounts it is, but you should see the house that my mother owns. <laughs> you know, like, this is my job. This is what I do. But I would never do that to that. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense. But this is what they, Every song has to be a banger now to, which, the, to the young. Which... It's not sustainable. No, to, it's not. But to, also, to have, but to have a night to like build and like. Yeah, it's a horrible. But you, I, I, you know, I'm hoping. You know, you know. I mean, we don't have to go these nights. So, but I'm hoping this is like a gestation period. Mm. You know, like everyone is like, yeah, just coming out the internet. Yeah, the way you mix music, the way yeah. you know, it's gonna. You've seen this. You've you've well, seen I've a lot seen, of things happen over the years, right? But Jeff, nothing like this. this is nothing like, like a the rush of technology mm. and stuff. I mean, let's face it, the internet, you and I, amazing thing. Yep. Like, we both know what it can do. Yep. It was supposed to be like, cerebrally, culturally, collectively, like, it would make us better. Mm. It's made us worse. It's made us dumber. It's made us dumber. It's made people flat, there are people who still think there's a flat earth. There's people out there Madness. who think sticking your fist up a ship's, sheep's bum during Easter makes you fertile. There's people who believe that. <laughs> There's probably a Wikipedia site that says it. You know, it's shocking. It is. And you know what it is, is that, you know, like, I mean, you and I know that to go to, like, Rice's Sunday School wasn't advertised. You either knew someone who knew someone who mm. knew someone mm. who went there. Yeah. They never mass advertised it. Yeah. So we flashed like all those things. It yeah. was never, there was no internet or anything yeah. like that. I mean, there was the, there was baby internet, but yeah. it wasn't like a big. It was, it was, you, needed, you needed to know. It was original word of mouth. The music built everything. Yeah. I mean, now it's, there. there's too many sheep but not enough shepherds. Mm. And I think the internet, all the, at the moment, yeah, the either internet's just going to be like the death of everyone or it's, uh, 
it's going to just blow up and people are going to realise that we have to... Because at the moment, I find it hard to believe that he would say, we were talking about Northern Seoul earlier, how people travelled hundreds of miles. Yeah. No, I don't think anything has has a moment in order to build. Yeah. Everything just, it has to be now. Yeah. And I, you know, and I was I was uh, with a DJ on Halloween. This is what I say. Every song had to be a banger. And when he calmed it down, they didn't like that. Mm. They actually started booing. Crazy. They wanted, and they don't even dance. They jump up and down. And it's a celebration. And yeah, they don't know how to groove. Mm. But you're hoping that out of all this, they'll get tired of it. Yeah. You know, they'll get tired. Because I listened to the top three. And it's just like, wow. Nothing. Do you, do you do you think do you think it, music can ever get back to that place where people are driving for two thousand kilometers, or has the internet made everything so accessible that people I think, I think people I, just can't like? There, there's never going to be that amount of hype around anything because it's so accessible. Yeah, I think I think yeah, music's changed forever. It's never going to go back. You're never ever going to have that ever again. You'll have yeah, you'll have you, you'll have a critical mass maybe where people might start their own little scene yeah. and they do their own little yeah. thing and they might affect other people. Yeah. But you'll never get, music will never happen in that sense. I mean, do where house and techno came from. You know, techno, I mean, house came from disco and techno came, techno came from like, those guys listening to like, uh, AM radio at fucking two in the morning, listening hmm. to normal like British bands like Norman, Depeche Mode, and DAF, and they created techno. Mm -hmm. You know, poverty, uh, uh, po poverty is the cradle of creativity. Like, and we don't have that. Here. Everyone has in Calgary. Everyone has way too much money and too much access to anything. Mm. Why can't people move to Forest Lawn and be poor for a while? Mm. Why do they always have to have everything? It's interesting, man. Do you think that? Knowing that, knowing that music has forever changed, now is it just what? Like, what do you do? Like, what? How do you, how do you build something that's special? Is it possible? Yeah, of course it's every you know like you know ab absolutely anything is possible. You know, like here we go. I say out of poverty is the credit of creativity. Like people with if they if they have the imagination, they can yeah. They could create anything, but it's like they just want to belong too much to each mm. other. And the and the internet's bad in the sense that you know there's a, there's an interest. I don't know if you ever seen this. There's a there's a documentary by uh, this guy called Adam Curtis. It's on uh, it's on YouTube. It's called Can't Get You Out of My Head. It's like seven eight hours. It's long, but it's an hour chunks. Yep. Anyway, it's all, it's just, and it and it deals with uh, uh, political conspiracy and. And revolutions and uh, individualism. Basically, what he, the gist of the whole documentary is. So he traces all these things from China to America to stuff like that. But basically, what he says is that a trouble these days with the internet and all that is individuals want to be an individual, but then they go on the internet and look for other people like them. Then they become a collective. Mm. Then what does that collective do? Mm. Push out the individual. Mm. You know, it's mm. like. This is what people, all they want to do. Yeah. Then they create their own politics that the individual can't come into it. So you get all this, mm. you know, it's like China. China was communist, but it's not communist anymore. We know it is just a, we're, we're communists, but we're more communists than you. You have to go and, you have to go and build that car. We'll tell you how to build it, but we're communists. 
so wild. Man. So is it, is it, it? So I think people have to learn to be individuals. But how do you teach people that? And you know, like I mean, I knew people in in England. You know, like there was no scene or anything then. They create their own scene. There were guys that would stand outside a toilet, and people would line up out behind them, thinking it's a club. You know, they were that kind of magnetic. They were like mm -hmm. shepherds. They mm -hmm. they were arbiters of taste. Mm. You know, like I grew up in a time when the clubs were run by gays. Great music inside, mm -hmm. but now even the gays want to be like other people. Yeah, they 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 want to hide in plain sight, mm. and th that's also suffered. I don't think you like enough. You know, you know that's terrible. I probably you probably get cut off here. I'm not cutting anything. <laughs> no, 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 like gay. But I think you know, even the gays have become like homogenized and mainstream mm. in that they're not cutting edge. Mm. You know, to me, like, if you ever put, I mean, uh, everyone always complains about, oh, I don't like this crowd. I said, hire a transvestite to stand on the door. If they can accept him, mm. they'll accept what's in there. You, you'll see a massive change in the amount of people you get in and what type of people you yeah. get in. But they don't want to do that. Oh, so people might be offended. In this day and age? Come on. Mm -hmm. It'd be interesting. Yeah. It would be an interesting test. Yeah. I always thought that'd be a good thing. But, you know, I, I like to believe that, you know, like we didn't hear the best music ever made. I like to think that there's, yeah. I, you know. You still got I, that in you? Like you can. Well, you know, I mean, I like to be, you know, do you have, I'm old. Yeah, you know, I know, but you grew up in like the heyday yeah, of like. I, I have two pillars. I, my two favorite, my, my two favorite records in this, or, you know, like. Anarchy in the UK was the record that changed my life. But, you know, I love Debussy's Claire Deloon. And anything in between, you know, I've searched. I've always been searching for the perfect beat. That's why I've, I'm always happy to hear house, hip-hop, mm -hmm. rock and roll, country, whatever. Everything has its, you know, mm -hmm. that's why the show, the show I do now on CGSW, is all about digging in my crazy. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think if you, if you listen to a lot of music, you'll understand how to make great music. Yeah. Yeah, I think my complaint with a lot of hip hop, uh, sorry, house producers now is that all they make is beats. Yeah. They don't make songs. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, so did you hear my track? Can I whistle it at a bus stop? No. Do, 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 do. It's like, can we, is there a verse chorus bridge in here? It's, yeah. You know, it's like, you literally made a song that another DJ will mix out of in two minutes. Mm hmm. But why make that? Why make that song six minutes? Why don't mm. you make just an album of beats? Because mm -hmm. that's what you've done. Yeah, yep. you didn't make a song. You know, like those guys in the beginning, they created music because they want to extend the dance. Mm. You, you, you have not pushed that ideal forward. You've just gone back to what they were doing. They did that because they had to. You don't have an excuse, and mm. all you do is make. It's moronic beat. It's like transition beats over yeah, and over. Yeah, it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. People yeah. can jump. Uh, it, it's so interesting, man. It's um, y your perspective on music and everything you've listened to. You know, that's like we joked about before the start. This is like a, it could be a six hour show. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's very interesting for me to hear just how it all, how it all came to be for you and, and what's, just your experiences and what you've seen and, and being able to, Get you off the tell plane. Tell a story about welding, welding dodgy cars for gangsters for no, money. It's just all, like it, it's it, it could be so deep and, and and like I said, it could be a six-hour show easily. And and what surprised me, not the most, but 
getting off the plane and on this run for 18 years, it's, 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 it's so rare because I was in your world for just a blip of time. And I can't imagine doing it for 18 years and, and just the knowledge and the research and all that. It's, it's crazy, man. Well, you know, I, I used to be, like I said, I used to be an arbiter of taste now of the Walmart of DJs. I stack it high, sell it cheap. That's what I do now. But you know, I'm a working DJ now. Yep. I'm a working DJ. Yeah, you work. I'm not like, yep. I mean, that's why I do the radio show. The radio show is cathartic. Mm-hmm. This is a job. Yep. It's a good balance. It's and a good I don't balance, mind right? doing it. You know, you know, like as much as people say, like, oh, well, you know, people come over and go, oh, what is this shit? Well, you know, like, mm. you don't realize that uh, on, you know, on flashlight nights, you know, how many times I've heard Sex Machine? Mm. You don't want to know how many times mm. I've heard Sex Machine. Mm. I don't want to hear it. So it's interesting, like, just play music. Yeah. Pop music's pop music. Yeah. Whatever realm you play it in. Totally. It always has been. So, yeah. That's cool, man. Um, the only question that I ever asked the guest. <laughs> when I say Calgary, where does your head go? <laughs> Would it be a cliche to say it's a riddle wrapped in a mystery in an enigma? I used to think that. D- definitely not, it's <laughs> definitely not cliche. <laughs> but now, you know, now, you know, like Calgary was the, uh, like, great people. I mean, I've met so many great people here. Mm. They tend to be you know, always. There, there's some really great people here, and you know I've made a living here. And uh, but I'm very sad about Calgary at the moment. You know mm. that it's become. It's you know when I came in the '90s, it was very, uh, you know, because I came from a, a city that was like you know, and also I saw New York that it was trying to change, the past what it had, yep. and there was so much creativity in the city like. There were so many great bands and DJs and artists and all that. And bit by bit, they've all been pushed out, worn down. Mm. And so now I think like Calgary knows the uh, the price of everything but the value of nothing. That's mm. what it is. I mean, and the outpouring of uh, racism and uh, misanthropy is just like, you know, like I saw a sign like, the, I mean, I and you know, I don't mean to get political about this, but, you know, I saw a sign uh, during one of these anti-vaccine rallies, you know, like uh, 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 Margaret Trudeau sucks cocks or something like that. It was like, really, what's she got to do with it? Mm. This is from a town that was so, I thought was so intelligent, but mm. it's become very, and I think it was at the undertow of that kind of right-wing kind of element. Mm. So I'm sad that this might take over, you know, so do you think it's I coming worry. out of this this I last eighteen months? Is it yeah? Just it, it, like it, it, it's you know, and I and, but you know that eighteen months was on the back of four years. Of you were feeling recession. a recession. Oh, yeah, okay. So I always I I always knew it. Like I went from like doing I used to do three nights a week. I mean I've gone down from like irrespective of what I earn I've gone down from like fifteen hundred bucks to like four hundred bucks a week. Mm. No, I've learned to live with it. Yeah. Hey. Remember Tester? He used to say, I hit itchy band before, I'll eat itchy band again. Tell so, Tester. yeah, so like, I'm used to it, but what scares me is that you would think that in the last 18 months, people would become more mm. kinder. Yeah. More uh, loving, more caring. But they've got angrier mm. and more uh, uncaring about each other. And I find it very all. Uh, I mean, you, you did computers. WYSIWYG. Do you remember WYSIWYG? Yeah. What they told you? Yeah. What you see is what, what you, you get. get. Yeah. 
that's why I, f I find it's like, you know, people do stuff like, you know, if there's a flood or something, yeah, I'm here, I've got my boot, you know, I'm doing it, look. Mm. You know, like, like George taking the five dollars out of the tip jar because the mm -hmm. guy didn't see him. Yeah, yeah. It's like, look at me, look at me. For sure. And people just don't do stuff because they want to. Mm. And I think that nature has gone out of Calgary, but which I found in the nineties was more prevalent. Hmm. And now I've kind of very Vancouver-like. Interesting. So that scares me. That scares me about this city. Yeah, and you and you, you have an interesting perspective because you're seeing you know working out in the public, you, and you've seen the rollover of people and styles and energy. Yeah, but, you know, I hate to say this on a bad note, but this is and you know I've had I, I've had a lot of racism directed towards me for don't play requests. But I was the other week out with a uh, a bouncer, coloured chap, and uh, they just thrown out someone right. This girl was so mad, or her and her friends were so mad, they used the N word on this guy. Right? Crazy. And he went, but he knew he could do it because the cameras there. He could mm. do anything. They got in their vehicle and started playing pop smoke. And I went, and there's the irony. So when people, when people who are young enough listen to hip hop and all that, and their their use of that word is the same as when they'd use their you know their right arm or left arm mm. to catch a ball, it's scary for me, mm. you know. That that is when their backup is against the wall, That's they will use anything to put another person down. Mm. That scares me. That's yeah. like the newest generation, and that's not, that's not just isolated incident. I've heard yep. many takes on that. So that scares me about the younger people, mm. how they just see people as they'll people. They'll go there, yeah. Yeah, they'll go there, yeah, and they don't think yep. anything about it, mm. and that's what worries me. I mean. Hey, I've been called names by my friends and stuff like that, but it's not off the cuff. They just do it just to wind me up, probably. Mm. But to use that publicly, yeah, it's scary, it man. It's different. And then you get in the car and then you listen to hip hop music. It's <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> am I missing just... something? So yeah, I I think Calgary has some great things. There. Don't get me wrong. There's yeah. like that's just what you're seeing right now. It's just yeah, what great you're restaurants. Right now. There's some art, artist collectives and stuff like that. But music, I know I'm sure there's a great, there might be a great underground somewhere. I don't mm. know where it is. I mean, you know, Habitat does some great stuff. Yeah. But I'm just not seeing enough of it. Mm. It's lo But also, I think that's also from the top. Like, you know, the rent, like, yeah. you know, the money. Mm. I think the stamp, I think, you know what? I think the big turning point in the city was, was when Calgary went to the Stanley Cup. Mm. When the big yeah. people like Cowboys and all realized that, yeah. you know, Mercury was getting, you know, a 200 person. Bar was getting like a thousand people in it. That's when it all started. Yeah, they all wanted a bigger cut, and there's so much. It, it costs so much money to rent. Like Tommy Dog, I read recently, is gone from 17th. Mm. That's not because oh, I don't like 17th. That's because of the rent. Yeah, because like, who do we think we are? Mm. There's no, <laughs> there's no beach here unless I well, the amount of flip flops I see in the city during summer. There should be a beach here. <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, I don't see a great art gallery, or unless you know. The uh, world's greatest collection of dream catchers and that flea bitten buffalo is like <laughs> constitutes a museum. I don't know. You know, there's nothing here of of note. Yeah. And that's what saddens me. We could have so much, but we spunked our money. Mm. And we need to think about what are we gonna do? You know, how many boom and bust have we been through yeah. before would you, you really? let these people run your bank account? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, it's people like you, you know, it's good stuff, but yeah. you know, you won't be long. You won't be long to be moving from here. I don't know, bud. You got your dogs. Yeah, I'm, your I'm here. I'm here. <laughs>
So cool, man. Um, we got to end this sucker because my memory card's going to run out. Uh, it was really cool. This memory card ain't running out. <laughs> no, it's buddy. like locked this in. Memory card ain't running out. It was re- really cool, man. Thanks, Super baby. cool. I, we haven't talked. We haven't caught up in a long time, so it was really cool to chat again. I want hair like Jeff. Look at this. Yeah, you, yeah. So yeah, you got to go backwards in time, buddy. Hey, <laughs> my hot dog time machine. <laughs> totally. Thank you. Thanks, Jeffrey. We'll talk soon. Cheers, babe. Later. Peace.